All right, welcome promoters to another episode of Roll Up. I'm your co-host Sam Fain. I'm joined, of course, by Todd Jerschel. And this week we have a very special guest, Tom Filsinger, the maestro himself, is here. Uh, Tom, how are you? Oh, great! It's fantastic to be here with you and Todd. Awesome! Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to chatting, uh, obviously, uh, about 2138 a little bit, and and of course we have some fan questions. Uh, we'll get to that here uh, shortly. Uh, Todd, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, um, yeah, a little, you know, a little, little couple day delay on, on the recording here, but uh, I think that's perfectly fine. Everything's all good. I think maybe we even might be able to talk about something extra we wouldn't have been able to talk about if we released the uh, episode early. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, for sure. And and I will, I will absolutely take the blame for this one. Uh, it was technical difficulty on my end, but uh, Tom and Todd were nice enough to to reschedule uh, so that we could do this all together um, as opposed to. to I, I don't know if you out. have to take blame on that isn't it your uh you know internet providers right. blame there yes yeah. yeah let's let's blame let's blame comcast um <laughs> so, happy to do that yeah right uh but no everything is functioning now uh it's been just fine for the past couple of days uh so hopefully we won't have any issues going forward of course the funny thing is because I mean, we've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast is i'm actually getting ready to move soon and uh and, and with the move of course we're just going to disconnect everything anyway so it's really only got to last me a couple more weeks um <laughs> we'll see what happens um but let's go ahead and hop right into uh, the teasers uh, we've got some cool teasers to talk about um and we'll go ahead and start off with uh legends um the announcement of don Kernodal, which is uh I, I think people some people kind of thought that this might be coming um as they knew that some contact had been made of course with his brother after uh, tnt last year um but i think that it surprised a lot of folks as well uh i love love the art. I think it, it, it's great. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite pieces um, that I've seen thus far from the set. And, uh, you know, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy to add to the ranks. Uh, of course, he's um, held multiple tag team championships uh, in, in the Mid-Atlantic region in particular, um, you know, teaming with guys like... Um, uh, um, Ivan Koloff, excuse me, and uh, Bob Wharton Jr., uh, and also uh, had a, a little bit of uh, some maybe maybe heat with Mike Rotunda uh, over the uh, television championship in Toronto. So lots of uh, folks in the game to, to pit him against or with, and I think uh, folks are really going to enjoy this card quite a bit. Um, and you could even do a little bit of uh, you know run with uh, him and Bob Roop, as Roop was uh, his very first opponent in the ring in. And they set up a, what was a supposedly maybe perhaps a shoot match between the two because uh, Kernodal did have a amateur wrestling background uh, and apparently people liked what they saw because he, he was offered to, to you know get some training afterwards and then made his debut uh, shortly thereafter and wrestled throughout the uh, mid to late seventies and obviously into the eighties where I think uh, most people would recognize his run in the early eighties in the Mid Atlantic region in particular. Uh, Todd, what are your thoughts here on Don Kernodal, the pride of the Carolinas later, the pride of the right. USA? It says, it says it right on his shirt there. Yes, yes. Uh, no, very, very cool. Um, yeah, I, I love the art too. I think it really came out great. Um, I probably not familiar as familiar with Kernodal up until maybe just a couple of years ago. I, I didn't really follow much of the Mid-Atlantic, so I, I didn't know too much about him. I did hear about the Kernodal brothers, first of all, uh, through... 
uh, was it CWF Mid Atlantic? Uh, they did a Canoodle oh, yeah. Cup tag team tournament, so that's when I first started learning about them. Um, and uh, and then obviously, you know, him, uh, Don was uh, set to go into the Hall of Fame, he was inducted into the uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame last year, unfortunately. I uh, passed away, uh, you know, soon before that. Um, you know, his brother Rocky was up there, so I'm glad, uh, very happy that we're able to honor him uh, this year as part of this set, um, and very thankful uh, uh, to Rocky for uh, getting us uh, permission uh, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's a wonderful way to pay tribute, and um, y- you know, I think that uh, the fortune that we have uh, of the WWE Network now, of course, on Peacock, uh, is that there's a, a wealth of footage out there of him uh, from uh, a lot of the Mid Atlantic television shows. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that starts in like 1982, um, and uh, there's plenty. If, of if you can find it on Peacock, that is. Well, right, yeah. Uh, it, you know, the thing is, is if you're not if, if if you're willing to forego any search and just actually like, you know, click around uh, to get to it, it's not that hard to find because it is one of the sort of the, the banner shows that they have under the WCW section, I believe, or the territories. Um, territory. See, now even I don't know where it is. Uh, but anyway, there's a lot of footage of stuff that he did uh, in the early 80s uh, in the Mid-Atlantic on there, which is which is pretty cool to have. Um, Tom, what are, what are your thoughts here on uh, the Pride of the Carolinas joining the Legends of Wrestling game line? You know, it's an honor for us. And like Todd, I'm not as familiar with his career because I didn't see that territory as much. But fantastic. I love the art. I think, you know, Werner did a fantastic job here and I'm proud to have him in the game. Yeah, uh, and I think that you know we're going to go ahead and make an announcement right here, which uh, might not be much of an announcement depending on when you're listening to this, uh, as as the teaser will have already dropped. But I feel like it dovetails perfectly to just talk about the very next Legends teaser um, for Friday the 24th, and that is none other than Cornudel's tag team partner, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, what an absolute, I mean, almost borders on coup for for the team to get somebody like Sergeant Slaughter in the game, in this set, such an iconic character in professional wrestling history, um, you know, going back to his, his days, uh, obviously, in WWF, uh, you know, his famous matches with um, um, Pat Patterson and, and, and the Iron Sheik, and then his time in the AWA, um, but of course, you know, this set in particular, because his tag partner is there, his time in the Mid-Atlantic and sparking off one of the hottest feuds of the era um, with uh, his partner, Kernodal, against one of the hottest babyface teams in the region. Um, you know, obviously, we don't have them in the game, uh, but I, you know, we, can, we can say their names on the podcast, uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. But uh, that particular feud, of course, led up to the final conflict, and final conflict was what generated um, enough of a buzz, enough of an interest to basically lead into the very first Starcade. Um, so it's it's really an iconic feud, an iconic tag team. Um, and, and how cool is it to have, uh, again, just one of the most iconic professional wrestlers, a G.I. Joe, uh, a real American hero, uh, the one and only Sergeant Slaughter. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on adding Sergeant Slaughter to the game? That's fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to restart my Legends fed. It's, <laughs> it's just it's just begging, you know. It was already a great fed. I already had a great history with it. I just haven't been fitting it in with my other feds and riding and all that stuff. But, man, Sarge makes me want to do it. And it's funny, too, because I just was watching some matches uh, on YouTube 
of Slaughter and the Iron Sheik in the, that classic era. And, nice. uh, man, uh, I can't wait to play him in uh, my Legends fit. Yeah, he's definitely a home run, I would say, and I think going to uh, you know reinvigorate a lot of folks um, um, that maybe have, have you know fallen off a, a bit with with their playing, uh, and, and I think probably get some new eyes uh, on the product. You know, people people see a card. There are there. people who are s- slowing down in their playing. Yeah, there is something terribly wrong with the world if something like that's even remotely. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, sometimes it comes in waves. You know, it's like trying to balance all the plates in the air. It's like even yeah. for me sometimes. Sometimes it's like, you know, I focus on GWF and then, you know, and then I slow down a little bit to focus on legends and then I slow down to right. focus a little bit on indies. And, you know, it's, 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 it's sick. Well, then that's excused <laughs> if you're moving from one Phil Singer games, uh, promotion to the next. That's oh, okay. absolutely. Then it's a- yeah. <laughs> uh, Todd, what about you? What are your thoughts here on Sergeant Slaughter? I think this is a great signing, you maggot. <laughs> uh, no, this is absolutely awesome. I mean, Sarge is it, it, it's such a classic uh, legend. I mean, everybody knows Sergeant Slaughter, uh, and yeah, just really, really cool that that we that he uh, gave us permission to include him uh, in the Hall of Fame set, which. Uh, yeah, I think just you know, with his relationship with Jerry, I think definitely went a long way in order to you know have have this this happen. Just absolutely awesome. Uh, very uh, much looking forward to getting a boot camp match together between him yeah. and his cheek. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, it should be really cool. And it's a big July for Sarge. You know, he's not only uh, getting he's getting the 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 Hall of Fame card here, and he's also getting a new. Uh, Hasbro GI Joe Comic Con exclusive. I'm not sure which is going to be more popular, but you know, it's a toss up. It I is. Think. It is indeed. Uh, yeah, we don't. We we like to give the other guys a, ch- a fighting chance. Yeah, that's know? right. That's what right. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, he is one of those rare uh, characters in professional wrestling that has you know transcended uh, the business. And I think you know his involvement, obviously, with GI Joe, uh, you know, just raised his his visibility, his profile yeah. uh, to heights that you yeah. know a lot of other wrestlers wrestlers could could really only dream of so uh he's he's, he's definitely an iconic figure in, in the history of professional wrestling and it's wonderful to be able to you know tip our hats to to him uh and add him here to the trago synthes hall of fame set three and uh, you know i just want to add too that that would be the classic drawing you'd want that yes. would be it yes yeah. You know. I completely agree. No, no Saudi, you know, turncoat uh, era. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Or even a different pose. That's the pose you want. And, right. Uh, there, there was a couple other ones that were looked at, you know, that maybe fit better with Pernoodle or something. I'm like, no, no, no. no. If we're going to do Sarge, yeah. you, you got to do that. That's the one that people want. So That's the way to yeah. go, Todd. That's why you, that's, you're in the- <laughs> that's, I, I put my veto power on that. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't do too often, but you know, I like that a lot. Um, and you know, and I do have to add one more thing. I still regret to this day not sending in my flag points to get that LJN style figure that is now worth like thousands of dollars, you know. Still regret it to this day. I, I remember as a kid, one of my favorite GI Joe vehicles was the Triple T, which came with uh Sergeant Slaughter. It was his little kind of 
tank sort of thing. And uh, I, I loved that thing. And, and I'll never forget that after the G.I. Joe movie came out, which is celebrating its 35th anniversary and is in theaters again this week only. Uh, not that I'm shilling for yeah. G.I. Joe the movie, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but I remember the movie came out and there were these characters that they kind of introduced um, as his renegades, you know, the, the, the people that helped him train the G.I. Joes. And uh, they had these weird backgrounds and everything, but they came out in like this three pack and the triple T had these attachments on it so that you could like sit figures on the sides of the vehicle and Sergeant Slaughter in the driver's seat. And so I, I, I just, I, I remember getting that, uh, I don't, I think maybe it was for a birthday. Yeah, it was for my birthday and putting them all on the triple T and it was good times. It was good times. Kidding Sounds me, like, you know. it. um, <laughs> I have to say, I'm not sure if I still have my Sarge figure. I had the Sergeant uh, G.I. Joe, but I think that went out in the great purge of uh, my mom, you know, moving after I went off to college then. You know, I still have my Star Wars figures and my old LGN wrestlers, but I, I, I'm not sure if Sarge survived that. Yeah, sadly, my G.I. Joes did not did not survive all of the, the moves and such. But uh, my Star Wars, luckily, the Star Wars did. Um, so getting away from legends, uh, of course, one of the things that we'll have to talk quite a bit about tonight, uh, although I am not sure exactly what we'll be able to get out of Mr. Phil Singer here, uh, is going to be 2138. And we did have a new announcement for that. And it's uh, Mr. Everything, um, the self-proclaimed man who has it all. Paul is invading the GWF in 2138. Mr. Everything is a talented wrestler who has won major belts and other promotions. Now he plans to do the same in the GWF, but what is he bitter about? Commander Sam and Massive blacklisted me from the FDF, claims Mr. Everything. Now I'm going to prove to them I'm the best there is by beating their whole team. Can Mr. Everything pull it off? Is it true that he was blacklisted? And who recruited him to join the GWF? So, Tom, I'm just going to go straight to you. Um... It's interesting. I, you know, I always love, and I remember the very, I, I remember the reading it for the first time uh, about having someone come in that had won titles in other promotions, and I just loved uh, the idea, of course, that this this world, this galaxy, this universe that you were creating, uh, there were other promotions for these wrestlers to, you know, to fight in. That they that some of them were coming, you know, to the GWF because the GWF was the place to be. Um, so obviously, we've seen other wrestlers with that. Whether it's somebody like you know, Chaos Terminus, Paragon, uh, uh, in-game even, um, but... Uh, Totalis. Totalis, yes, of course. Not to be... Not to be... <laughs> right. Can't forget um, that. <laughs> and it's even, you know, in some ways, even bled over into, like, um, you know, Mike's Future Shock stuff with somebody like Mr. Sentra um, in particular. So Mr. Everything kind of continues that, that tradition, um, and I, I'd love to hear maybe as much as you're willing to tell us uh, about Mr. Everything and the creation of this character. Okay. Uh, you know, th- that's going to be a, a theme in this set. You're going to be seeing some new people who are decorated champions and other promotions coming to the GWF for reasons that will be explored at some later date for why that's happening now. But um, Mr. Everything, uh, I mentioned on Twitter, has uh, a relationship Uh, not a tight one, but a relationship from the past with Vanity, who is uh, one of our GWF legends of all time. I won't go into that. Um, I'll let the the handbook explain what that is all about. But um, Mr. Everything has uh, an axe to grind, 
uh, he is making the claim that he was blacklisted by Commander Sam and Massif for reasons. I guess I'll leave that too, but there is a specific reason that will be given. And Commander Sam is going to basically say, uh, I don't remember ever doing that. And Mr. Everything's going to say, you liar. And uh, <laughs> so we're going to have some controversy about him. But he feels like he never got a fair shot. He built up a reputation as a champion, as a talented wrestler, and as a celebrity. And now he's going to bring that all to the WWF and try to show everybody that he's the tops in the whole galaxy. And uh, he's got an ego to match it. So we're bringing back, you know, that kind of guy, you yeah. know, that, that sort of guy that's got the model on each arm and uh, is showing off and uh, can actually back it up on top of that. Unlike Vanity. Well, you know, <laughs> that's right. Vanity went pretty far for a guy who really was a, a, a mid-card or, or lower yeah. guy. and. But he made it work. Uh, Mr. Everything, we'll see how far he goes. We don't know yet. But he's going to bring that same personality to the promotion. Excellent. Excellent. I, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, the, the motivations uh, behind the blacklisting and, and of course, his return and, and see who he's you know, going to be facing off with. I, I have I have some speculation, uh, but uh, I'll save that for, for later. Uh, of course, can I add something real quick? Since please. We're on the subject of blacklisting you will see somebody else introduced in the next week or two whenever the next time this sneak preview comes out that will make the same claim that he was uh, blacklisted and he will have a uh, a problem with a different person Interesting. so that theme will begin to emerge and it's emerging not by accident there is something behind the scenes going on by the way i want to add that too uh, I hope that people love who we're introducing so far. Zulfikar, we've got uh, Bloody Mary, Vizier, we've got Mr. Everything. We're going to have some more coming. Uh, the very best top-of-the-line guys, people are not going to see ahead of time. Okay. In other words, I'm hoping you like what you're seeing because it's only going to get way better. Very but cool. I want to protect some storylines. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's the thing here. Yeah, of I want course. To and so, you know, that's always the art of this. I love the sneak preview season because it's really an art unto itself. And, you know, and so, yeah, I, I just want people to know that you're not even going to see the very best until you get it in your hands. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be completely honest. You know, if someone told me that I was only getting these four, you know, if it was just like a four pack that we were getting, uh, I, I would, you know, I'd already be sold just because I think that it, it's a very interesting uh, roster of names. And and Bloody Mary in particular, I know, made quite the splash. Um, it seems like people were very, yeah. you know, kind of excited about that name, um, which is cool because I didn't know, you know, I, I, when I was reading uh, the teaser for the first time, I didn't really know what people were going to think. Um, and it was cool to see that, that folks are excited. Uh, and can in I speak about that, Dennis? Please, can I speak yeah. about Bloody Mary? Yeah. Well, you know, you know you're always trying to ask yourself, uh, you've got a prototype for a type of character you want to create, but you're not sure which way it's going to go. And then a name comes to you. And Bloody Mary, it's okay. Can I somehow work with that name with two R's in Mary? Uh, 
And I thought, you know, that might be weird and off the wall, but let's see what happens. I sent Daryl the art idea. And I knew I wanted something that was very unique, and it is a hardcore female badass wrestler, you know, who's like the bruiser Brody of the females. And so, you know, can you pull off that image and look? Well, I think Daryl did a great job, but he always does a great job. And I think that the concept actually, is intriguing and will change the women's ranks in the GWF forever because there's really been nobody like this that I can think of in the past. And it's one of the rare wrestlers that can make it interesting to go up against somebody like Bulldoze, who's, you know, this huge behemoth of a fighter. And so you could create another huge behemoth female but Bloody Mary's in a different category. She's more like Bruiser Brody. She's going to get, she wants to brawl. And that's sort of going to be a challenge for Bulldoze and Storm because they're not usually, people don't usually come at them that way. Yeah. So I'm excited about Bloody Mary entering the promotion. In fact, she's, you want to hear something I did, you know, I'm real excited about playing. So I listed all the feuds I'm the most looking forward to, knowing all the characters already. And uh, Bloody Mary is right at the top of my list for matches I'm looking forward to having when she goes up against Bulldoze Storm or finds a tag partner to go up against them collectively. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to her. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know that uh, the, the Bloody Mary concept was one of those off-the-wall things, and you ask yourself, can you make it work? And I think that it will work. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's always interesting when you have somebody that's willing to, you know, take the gladiators head on, and especially after what happened in twenty one thirty seven. You, you know, I think that the, that they really kind of shored up their power. So to to have someone come in and just want to go straight for them, uh, you know, is intriguing. So I, I'm really looking forward to have rolling those matches. You you talked about a tag team partner. Uh, do you have anyone in in mind uh, to team with Bloody Mary, or is that something that you're kind of just no, looking to see? You know, that'll be discussed in the book. First of all, a lot of people want to keep. Bloody Mary at arm's length. I mean, she's not exactly the most reliable person or, you know, the most down to earth. And she's scary. I mean, she really is scary. And uh, that, you know, so Bloody Mary has a reason for going after the gladiators that has not been revealed yet on top of just the challenge of it. There's a, another reason. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of secrets still to be revealed here about all these characters that have been coming in so far even. And so she's on the lookout for a tag partner, but there's a lot of people who don't want to go anywhere near that. Like, for example, a Tai Chi is just simply not going to be able to tag with a Bloody Mary type. Right. They're just too different. Um, so she's got to find somebody who's willing to do it. She's, you know, and her feeling is Bloody Mary's is uh, if you're not willing to be my tag partner to go after these two, then you're my enemy. So she's going to have a lot of enemies in the promotion, too. She doesn't care. That's fine by her. Sure. You can always, you can always bring up Moonlight from uh, FTR. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's up to you, promoters. Exactly. You always yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Todd, I just wanted to ask uh, you real quick uh, your thoughts on Mr. Everything. I, we talked about Bloody Mary last week, obviously, but uh, what, do you, what do you think about Mr. Everything? Uh, I mean, I, I, I obviously, I know a little bit more than the, the standard uh, <laughs> the reader about the, the story and whatnot. Uh, but uh, no, overall, I think a cool character. Really, really love the art. I'm not sure what all the 
the background lights are. You know, uh, the, the the thing maybe I don't know. Do we learn more about that in the story? I'm trying to remember what that like. No, no, but I, I think that we can assume they're like flashing lights, flashing lights, so that like so. paparazzi type of things looking after him. That yeah, that's what I, I was wondering if that's what it was. Uh, but yeah, overall, I just I love the look of his face and everything like that. Just, I just the, the detail on that was just really really neat. So. Now that's what I like that Daryl did this time because that was. I've always said that was one of Chuck Carter's greatest strengths was regardless of whether it was a caricature style that he used, Mm -hmm. you always felt like you were looking at a unique person, you know, he draw. And and, then that's what Daryl brought us here. He gave us a, not just a heroic face, but a unique looking person. Yeah. Uh, Kind of like a, a little bit in the vein of a Tony Stark in some ways, but quite different in others when you read, story about it right right yeah but you know overall very excited uh there's a tag match a couple tag matches with him and somebody else uh, that i'm interested in running um yeah so i think uh overall i think he's he's gonna be a very cool addition uh to the to the gwf Excellent. Well, I'm I give away like, too much more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that the you know the story does sound intriguing, and and for me again, I think the the most intriguing part is you know this prior established relationship with with Massive and Commander Sam and getting blacklisted and just kind of seeing what that does because you know you've got these two GWF originals and Massive and Commander Sam and and having the opportunity to deepen their character with a little bit of controversy. Uh, not that you know uh, Commander Sam in particular is is foreign to uh, controversy. It'll be uh, it'll be really cool to to see how that story comes into play and and i think well i'll dr- i'll drop a teaser here okay all right i mean it's just you know teasers you know that you could do a thousand teasers so you can just do here's another little one leading to the bigger ones <laughs> um there will be an accusation made against lord nexus Ooh. all right i'll leave that one there you go well, yeah, I'm, I am, I am very intrigued. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, we will get back to 2138 and talk about, of course, the other two uh, teasers that have been released thus far. But before we do that, let's shift over real quick to talk a little bit about uh, something that happened this past week, and that is Father's Day. Uh, and uh, we're all fathers here. Uh, Todd, how was your Father's Day? Uh, my Father's Day was pretty good. Uh, my uh, um, son and I went out to uh, try to do a little toy shopping there. Went found a new vintage toy store here in Connecticut. So we went out together to that. And um, uh, I was able to pick up, uh, obviously people on the podcast can't see it, but uh, I picked up a uh, Doc Brown uh, ultimate figure here uh, to go with my uh, Marty McFly figure that I already had. So, uh, I found that a good good deal at the store there. Uh, my son got a uh, Baby Yoda or Grogu uh, figure. Uh, nice. So that was pretty cool. Stopped at one of my favorite uh, breweries that had a new release uh, there, and uh, I got to try a little bit of that. That was just on the way back, and uh, you know, had uh, had some plans to you know have some different things for Father's Day dinner. Uh, Unfortunately, some fell through there. My my wife had ordered me a Giordano's pizza from Chicago. Unfortunately, they got lost on FedEx, so I did not get here in time. But I did have it afterwards. It was quite quite uh, quite good. Um, and let's see. Other than that, you know, other than that, just kind of chilled out. I, actually, I think I was actually putting together uh, people's orders in anticipation of all the new uh, cards coming out. So that was a good portion of my uh, of my day as well on Sunday. 
Fantastic. Uh, Tom, what about you? Oh, you can go first. You've got younger ones. I do. I do. It's true. Uh, it was good. We, you know, we actually were at my in-laws, uh, because my wife's cousin is getting married soon. And so they did a wedding shower, uh, on the Saturday before, and we ended up staying the night at, uh, her parents' house. Uh, and so woke up Sunday morning to some coffee and, uh, you know, my daughter was, was very, very excited, uh, to, to wish me a happy father's day, which was, which was great. Um, and she, and I kind of just, you know, sat on the couch and hung out for about half an hour or so uh, while while uh, we ate our breakfast. And then she was off uh, running around and playing. And so uh, I went outside with her and, and kind of ran around for a little bit. And then uh, Monday, actually, my wife uh, sort of said, go get out of the house for a while, you know, and take take some time to yourself. And I uh, considered it kind of part of my Father's Day, and I saw uh, the new Top Gun movie, which uh, was, was on my list uh, for a while. I wanted to see it, and I'm glad that I finally did. I thought it was uh, it was excellent, especially as far as, you know, kind of a, a legacy sequel goes. You know, we've, we've gotten so many of those um, over the past, you know, decade plus, really. And uh, some of them have not been great, like... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, for instance, uh, and uh, this this one to me was just everything. I think that uh, if you're going to make a sequel, you know, twenty thirty years after the fact, um, this is what you do. It, it was uh, really well done, um, and and I thought the the performances were great. The script was great. Uh, I love the fact that you know. Counter to the original film, I felt like they spent more time on on the people and the characters, and less time, you know, on on the plot and you know making it look pretty. Uh, not that it, it didn't have a plot and it didn't look pretty, but I felt like I got to know the characters even better this time around, which was nice. And they were able to build on the foundation, obviously, of Tom Cruise's character and Val Kilmer's character a bit. But um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was well done. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty low key. We didn't do anything too big, but uh, I did, did. want to add. I did get breakfast in bed. I did want to mention that. Oh, just nice. My wife listens. It excuse that I didn't get breakfast in bed. I did. So uh, <laughs> you know, I tell you what. By the time we get to Father's Day, it, we're already starting to feel a little burnt out because we've got Mother's Day. Then my birthday is like two weeks after that. Then you've got Father's mm. Day, like you know, a week after that or two weeks after that. Then you've like got my wife's really. birthday, like a week after that. Then we've got my daughter's birthday a couple weeks later, and then we've got uh, our wedding anniversary the day after that. So it's like these six kind of things, just all within the span of about like you know thirty, forty days. Uh, and, uh, and 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 we, we've got to save, conserve some energy, I guess, for for celebrating um, at this point. But my wife's birthday is tomorrow, actually. So, um, oh, happy birthday! I got to get that one right. Uh, <laughs> Tom, what about you? What was your Father's Day like? Oh, we we don't go way out of our way. My my kids don't live you know nearby anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I get some stuff in the mail. They buy me clothes because they know I hate to buy clothes for myself. So <laughs> that, that's what I get. I, I got a good game. I love games, you know. Uh, zombie dice. Hmm. Nice, easy, tabletop, fun game to play. Quick game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's about it. Very cool. I'm Very proud cool. to be a father, proud of my children. That's what, in the end, that's what counts to me. So, that's it. Oh yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's uh, certainly the best thing I'll ever do is, is be a dad. Um, Speaking of, of fathers and dads, of course, uh, we thought it might be interesting uh, to talk a little bit about fathers 
in the GWF and uh, and Legends universe, um, and some of the um, uh, uh, you know father and son pairings, of course, over the years. Uh, for me, you know the first the first names that pop to mind always, of course, are Omega and Star Warrior, and, and then obviously Outforce and uh, Bloodline as well. Um, and that you know that whole brood, and, and of course Supernova. Don't want to leave her out. Um, but uh, on the Legends side, I, it, we've got so many, and and I feel like I. I I, I think the the two probably most central, uh, just because they were there basically from the beginning, would be Johnny Valentine and Greg Valentine. Um, but three that might fly a little bit under the radar, especially because they were released as uh, prime releases, uh, would be the Gilberts. Tommy, uh, Doug, and Eddie Gilbert um, are three that I've used uh, quite a bit uh, as well uh, and been able to use like Tommy and Doug as a tag team and even Tommy and Eddie as a tag team at times. Um but we've got so many great names. Uh, Todd, what are, what are some names that kind of stick out to you as far as, you know, father son tandems in, in, uh, in the Phil Singer games universe. So, I I mean, as far as legends, probably the ones that the one that jumps out to me the most is, uh, you know, one that came in as a team, uh, and that was uh, the Hennings. So, uh, Larry Mm. Kurt Henning to me, that's like the top father and son duo for me. Cause you know, both were just, you know, so, you know, so iconic in their time there, uh, both came in during the legends team expansion set, which, uh, was really cool. Um, on the champions of the galaxy side, you know, as we kind of mentioned, you know, obviously everyone kind of goes to Omega first, but, uh, I think some of my probably favorite, my favorite father and sons to work with is probably, uh, uh, Thantos and Incubus, mm. I think for me, uh, kind of hits as like my favorite, you know, father and son duo. If I had to pick one together, I just Incubus was just always so much, you know, fun to use later on. And then Thantos oh, yeah. was just so dominant and such an integral part. And that original Chuck Carter art, I, I absolutely love there. And, and, you know, the Incubus art on its own was, was awesome too. So to me, that's probably my favorite father son duo. Yeah, yeah, I, I had so much fun with Incubus. I mean, obviously, Thantos uh, is a towering figure, but uh, I had so much fun with Incubus. And in some ways, Incubus, compared to Bloodline, because I, I feel like their careers are so parallel in a lot of ways, uh, I think Incubus ended up having maybe just a, a, a more diverse career because he won yeah. a, a more diverse roster of, of titles in, in my Fed. Uh, whereas Bloodline, you know, pretty much was was kind of either going for the Galaxian or the tag team belts, depending on the phase of his career. Whereas Incubus had a huge run with the interplanetary title before he kind of graduated up to Galaxian mm-hmm. uh, con- contendership. And uh, I, I had so much, he had a, a feud with Prodigy of all people, you know, as Prodigy's kind of winding down his career and uh, they ended up having a uh, a coffin match that is still probably one of my favorite matches that I've ever run. Uh, just, just, yeah, it, it was wild to, to say the least. Um, but I, I mean, how can you not get behind that pair, right? I mean, Thantos and Incubus. I think the interesting thing there is that with, Omega and Star Warrior, you know, you had the opportunity, of course, to have them team together. They were in the Fed at the same time, even if it's the twilight of Omega's career. Whereas sure. with Thantos and Incubus, of course, you never really got that opportunity. Um, now, of course, the same can be said about Star Warrior and Bloodline. But like, you know, th- by that time, Thantos is, is you know, on his way out as, as a manager, even, you know, he was, he was there for, well, I guess, I guess it was about seven years um, before 2119 came around. But, um, but yeah, uh, uh, it's a great it's a great duo, no doubt. Tom. I mean, you created these characters, obviously, and uh, I, I know uh, you're, you're a big Johnny Valentine fan as well, but what are some names that stand out to you as far as fathers and sons in the, uh, in the game? 
Well, I think you guys have mentioned a lot of the, I, I think like you said about the Valentines a lot. Uh, I'd have to be reminded about how many other father and sons we actually have. I, I'm not even sure. But don't we have the Ortons? No, we don't have the Ortons. We, we, we do we have do, yeah. uh, Bob Orton, Jr. and Sr. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, right. uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? We never got say that really, you know what was really important to me to get was DiBiase and his father. Oh, yeah. Good, good point. That was, uh, he really was so happy about that. That so I was really glad that we did that. He was thrilled. Yeah. Uh, so I, I that just jumps into my head. And then when you were talking about Thantos, uh, my mind went off on the subject again of that Chuck drew a great looking person. Yeah. You know, uh, not just a stereotype looking villain, but an individual. And it was so strong the drawing. Yeah. That it carried that character. Uh, even when we changed him to looking younger later uh, in his color drawings, uh, it, he always had that cachet or vibe from that first drawing that could still carry over to that character, you know? But, um, I, 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 you know, the original Phantos drawing, uh, I, I sometimes get this mixed up, but I believe when he drew Kraken, he thought he was Phantos. To me. Oh, interesting. And I did not see Kraken, or that character, as Thantos. But I liked him for Kraken. And so then I had him keep working on Thantos. And then he came up with that drawing, which I loved immediately, because Thantos just jumped off the card, you know, that character. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, one of the things that's always been fascinating to me, too, about Thantos was the uh, the Cosmos art that Larry Snelly did um, for the 2079 Classics set. Um, I, I thought it, it did such a wonderful job of sort of like, you know, peeling back the years and giving us a look at, at you know, the young kind of up and coming babyface, you know, Cosmos, who would one day, of course, become Thantos. And then, of course, Warner's art in the early classic sets as well, um, you know, kind of taking us back a bit. Um, I, 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 you know, oddly enough, I know sometimes he catches some flack, but I, I have to admit that I have a fondness for the the Bendis art from 2103 as well. There's something very atmospheric about that. But, uh, but, but like you said, Tom, I mean, it all derives from that original piece by Chuck, which is just so iconic. I mean, I think it's one of the most iconic pieces of art in, in the history of Champions of the Galaxy. No doubt about it. And it's, it's ironic that when you look at it later with different eyes, you say, how is Star Warrior and Thantos, how are they about the same age? They don't look it. Everybody suspended disbelief about that, which I think is the way to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. But then when I got to redoing Thantos for color, I thought now's the time to make him look younger. And so we did. And I was really happy with that rendition of Thantos also, by the way, that Daryl Banks did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it's a different way of approaching the character, and uh, that, that that's all. It's an interesting way art and everything evolves in uh, in life and in in games. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been so lucky to just to have so many, uh, you know, wonderful collaborators uh, that have, you know, worked with you and, and providing the art in, in general. And um, I think that one of the things that's kind of interesting about the, the reimagined sets and, and the 25th anniversary set, which saw that, you know, Daryl Banks piece is that we've, you know, we've gotten kind of these reinterpretations of characters at times, and even the stuff that, that Warner's doing now, um, you know, like that latest piece of Cosmos art, for instance, or chaos art, excuse me. Um, uh, you know, really, it all brings something different to the table. And I think it's just, it really is just a matter of perspective, you know, in the eye of the beholder, because you've got so much great stuff to choose from. I don't think you're wrong in picking, you know, any piece of art as being your favorite. Uh, um, no, it keeps it fresh. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm still a big fan of reading Marvel comics, and they've had some really nice multiverse storylines happening lately, where they are, again, uh, reimagining classic characters in different ways. And I, I think that's what keeps something really truly alive is to have it evolve, uh, even while you're still honoring the past and not forgetting it. Yeah. In fact, it is still the past. It never will change, but it can evolve. It can be pictured differently. And uh, I find that exciting. I love all the things we're releasing with champions in the multiverse. What yeah. I'm the most proud of is that we're keeping the standard storyline intact. That's very important to me that we don't start going off on so many other multi-world tangents that you don't even know where the real timeline is anymore. So we are focusing very hard on keeping the main timeline and saying, this is alternate, this is alternate. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I and I think that's a prudent move because you know sometimes when the waters get a little bit muddied, uh, you know it can pay off. I think Marvel did a great job with like their Secret Wars, uh, you know, some years back when they brought in kind of the ultimate you know versions of the characters as well um, and played with the you know that universe crossing over. But the thing is, is it was a gamble because when the ultimate you know Spider Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, ult you know all that stuff started, it was not meant to kind of commingle or mix with you know the six one six universe, and so when they decided to kind of do that, I, I think it, it, it could have fallen flat on its face. But because like you're saying, there's a, you know, there's a kind of a defined framework set out from the get go here with Champions of the Galaxy, it makes it very easy to see, you know, where the pieces fit and where they could potentially, you know, weave into one another if need be. But, it, you know, at least there's a nice framework set up as opposed to it being kind of, I think, a, a little bit of a desperation maneuver on the editor's parts to say, hey, we've got this, oh, other right. let's use it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Sam, you're right. We've had discussions whenever sets are coming out, whether it involves Mike or it involves Mark Ashby or it involves Chris Osk or it involves what Rob writes, uh, where, where I'm very clear about these are the boundaries we're working with here. And they will come to me and say, can I do this? And I will say, yes, I don't mind. Or no, I that would limit what I want to do with our timeline going forward, perhaps. Yeah. So there's a lot of communication we're, we're doing. We do a lot of work to make sure this universe stays, you know, firmly grounded in its own mythology. DC's had to fight that for years. They're reinventing, starting over. Marvel's yeah. had to do that to some extent. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do uh, to keep putting new things out without wanting to, you know, start over again. Right. Uh, there's it, a challenge there. But we've managed to pull it off, I think. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think that one of the things, one of the, the benefits, I mean, obviously, like Marvel and DC are billion-dollar machines and have been around for, you know, 80, 90 years. But that said, I think one of the things that has really, truly benefited Champions of the Galaxy and the GWF specifically is that it does continue to grow and evolve. And a lot of times, you know, we see Marvel or DC get a little hamstrung by the fact that, you know, Batman is Batman is Bruce Wayne and and that is all there is to it and the character is 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 fundamentally the same exact character that it's been for you know quite a while now I mean at least 40 40 years you know I won't I won't say it's the same character as it was in 1939 because I don't think that that's entirely true but I mean y- you know there's not been a whole lot of growth of the character and, and, and kind of the central mythos of Batman in in the in the history of the character uh, and and the same could be said you, you know for Superman up until maybe recently where they've started to kind of try and shake some things up. But because they've done, like you said, so many restarts where it's time for another crisis. Oh, the crisis is over. Let's just start over from scratch. I I think it's, you know, that they do end up kind of retreading some ground. Um, And even as much as I loved Ultimate Spider-Man and thought that Bendis and Begley did such an incredible job on that series, the truth of the matter is, is that like, they were retreading a lot of ground as well. They were just telling some of these stories and, you know, giving it a, a, a bit of a new spin here and there. Um, yep. and, and I think that's just because people, you know, they, they want Peter Parker to be Spider-Man. They want Bruce Wayne to be Batman and, you know, they want yeah, Clark Kent yeah, to yeah. be Superman and, and that's fine. But the cool thing about the GWF obviously is, is that, you know, other than maybe like Wolf, uh, we've, we've seen people come and go. We've seen, you know, people evolve and change and, 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 and we've seen heel turns and face turns and, and retirements and injuries. And I think that, you know, keeping it kind of almost this living, breathing organism has really benefited it, uh, compared to, you know, kind of the the staid nature uh, of a lot of you know modern comic books and and that and that sometimes it feels like you know like a lot of the stuff they've done with the X-Men over the past couple of years which I've enjoyed parts of but I haven't in, been able to enjoy the whole thing because sometimes it just feels like they're pushing so hard to do something different to you know to 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 kind of like push those boundaries and it doesn't necessarily feel true to the to the spirit and I think that that's the hard thing you've got to remain true to the spirit while also kind of trying to move things forward and and that's I mean that's a difficult thing to do. No, no, no doubt, and that's where we have the advantage in this whole mashing together wrestling and comics concept. Champions of the Galaxy is that we the wrestling model is still there, where people come and go. Uh, that allows us to be able to have an automatic level of freshness, and then you can have a wolf come and go sometimes because then you've got that other element too where you've got an iconic character who might never go away really and i I think that's nice and that's about the only character we have that for i mean we have some come and go return like kill prey returned and uh necros returned and so you never know somebody could come back but we're not forced in like and you were mentioning it it's a real problem. Batman has fought the Joker probably <laughs> several hundred or thousands of times since 1939. How do you keep making that fresh? Right. That's hard. It is. You know? And uh, we we luckily can cycle people in and out. And uh, I think that's one of the positives of that a combination of comics and wrestling that we have. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the Joker. It's like you look back and, and, and there are, there's these hundreds of encounters. And when it really comes down to it, you know, if I was back against the wall, I had to make a list. I would probably only pick like four or five of those stories to, you know, to be like, you read these, you don't need to read like the other 700, just read these five and, you know, you'll know what you need to know. Um, so I, I'm glad we, we, you know, this, this, I think segues us nicely into just talking about the creative process in general. And you and I have had the opportunity to talk about this a number of times, which I'm grateful for, because I love, I, I love doing that. Uh, but, but just for the benefit maybe of, of, you know, newer listeners or people that maybe missed out on uh, those past conversations. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, and specifically geared towards 2138, your creative process? Because I know that you've talked about in the past that when you kind of put things down, you know, like when you finish 2137 and you put it down, that you sort of, you, you, you kind of break off from that, you know, and you, you, you do other things, you're playing the game, of course, you're, you know, you're interested in what's going on, but you're not necessarily writing anymore, you know, you're not in the process anymore. And I love the fact that you're able to kind of like, turn it off and turn it on. So I'd love to kind of hear about, uh, you know, getting back into it for 2138. Yeah, well, 2138 was one of those where the story arc had been developed several years ago and I knew where it was all going and it won't really pay off fully until 2139 in some ways. And so then you always have this issue of uh, what's next. And ironically, it's when I'm in the creative phase, which is basically January to the end of June, when we're actually got to get it out, when I'm always thinking about it and writing it. And just only like two weeks ago, the next big idea came to me. It's not a definite, but I, but I like it a lot. And now, okay, so if I know where I'm going a few years down the line here, the, the tough part's the bridge to get from one arc to the next arc without it being too abrupt that's why it's nice to have uh, minor story arcs that might transcend these major ones simultaneously. There's one that's going to happen now in 2138. Crime Busters. Well, that's the original name, the Crime Stoppers. <laughs> Eight-year-old me created the Crime Busters. <laughs> the Crime Stoppers, which I would rename. I wonder how my eight-year-old self would have taken that. Oh, I'm going to rename that. I'm going to rename this in 50 years. Yeah. You should reach out <laughs> to longer. him, you know. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, that's it. yeah, right. That could happen. So anyway, um, that was one of those where you're you're dealing with a broad theme, and yet there are lulls in that broad theme. There, there's still there has to be something else happening, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, the broad theme. It's kind of like in the WWE. Yeah, you can have a big feud between the Iron Sheik and Sergeant Slaughter, but you that can't be your only feud. You know, you you can't just count on that to bring people in. You've got to have these other things going on simultaneously. Or the NWO, even. That was yeah. a big, big concept. But they had lucha wrestling was a big, big draw that complemented that, if you yeah. remember that era. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, and that, that was big. You know, that wasn't the big NWO thing, and yet you watched the show because that, that was a draw, too. Well, yeah. same thing here. And so Crime Stoppers was kind of like a way to, to have something going on that could be temporary, 
and transition so I could keep transitioning from one storyline to the other while things are still happening across the board. It's difficult sometimes for me to put this all into words because this is very much a um, intuitive process and you know what feels right and what you know you feel there's a void somewhere and you act on that. And your mind fills in the blanks. I mean, it's a, I consider creativity to be a magical process. I really do. Yeah. Uh, truly just magical. And I don't mean, uh, I mean, it's special in that way that it's, it's something that, that happens and uh, you have to be open to it. And, and they, so in this set, uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of the origins story arc. And we haven't hit the big payoff for that yet. We've been hitting the whole theme all along has been, here's some past history that has not been revealed yet regarding the Titans, the Liberators. Uh, I'd have to think about it. Uh, there's probably more there. And I won't say what else, but sure. <laughs> there's still more origin, big, big origins payoff still coming. But then I still have to then ask, okay, now what's next? How long will what's next be? And how do I get to what's next? Um, is there still a, 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 a period in 2139 where there's got to be another bridge before we get to the next big one? Or do you just jump right into the next one? I haven't answered that question yet because there's, you know, there's, there's a way of uh, it's pacing. It's like, a, it's like plotting a movie. Right. Or uh, anything. You know, there's such a thing as pacing it in a way that brings out the most dramatic impact. So uh, anyway, so a, a big storyline I think I've got for the years ahead. Now, in a universe shattered, it just so happened that the next storylines were all still allowing for an even bigger storyline that united them all. That I really enjoyed that because that right. was not. But it happened. And it happened, I think, and felt good and didn't feel forced i hope and so anyway uh just to let you know that um you know there's always that percolating going on in the back of your mind even as you're writing the because it helps to know what's coming when you're writing the current so that it can be leading up to it in some sensible way instead yeah. of being out of left field you Absolutely. want people to be able to get it the next thing and say oh geez I didn't see that coming, and yet I could see where it could happen. You know, I right. could see the, the, the things that could have led up to that now. So it, it flows. And uh, so anyway, I just want to let you know that that's what I do, that I'm always writing. I'll take a walk, and when I know I'm going to feel creative, I take a pen and index paper. And then if I, I – that's – and then you, I stop if it's like, whoa, that's good – and write down a few notes. And so I keep those notes in a, in a file. Nice. Very I like cool. that. I, you do have to be open to it. I, I remember I, you know, so much uh, when, when I think about the creative process, uh, so much of my brain actually turns to songwriting because I've, you know, it's something that I've read quite a bit about and uh, well, okay, not quite a bit about, but I mean, there's certain songwriters that I've read quite a bit about. And, and I, and I love that, you know, guys like Bob Dylan and Neil Young and Towns Van Zant like always talked about being kind of, you know, you just had to be open to it and you had to be ready for it. And Neil Young, um, I believe uh, would say that, you know, if, if you, if, if he would wake up 
and he would think of like, uh, you, you know, a song lyric or a song idea. He had to write it down right away. Um, because if he went back to sleep, it you know, would be gone in the morning. And it's like you just your, – your antenna oh, has to be right. kind of that's tuned right. to it. Um, you know, and, and of course, Towns Van Zandt has a very famous story, which I always love, where uh, he talks about writing a song in a dream. And, and, and he wrote the song in a dream and then woke up and just put it down a page. And, he, and it, you know, there was no like – there was really no effort that went into it. You know, it was just kind of there for him. Um, but then, uh, you know, on the counter side of that, you have a, a songwriter like – Guy Clark, who was a very good friend of Townsend Van Zandt, who's a craftsman, you know, he saw it as being like real work and he would work on songs literally sometimes for years before they were ready and, and, you know, just writing and rewriting and rewriting. And I know Bruce Springsteen, you know, is, is kind of famous for doing that. Uh, uh, and you know, he's had uh, bandmates of his kind of talk about him being obsessive, you know, and a, and a little bit nuts with the way that he reworks songs and reworks songs. Um, so I just, I always think it's interesting to take a look at the creative process and see what's working for people. Um, but I, I agree, you know, you really have to have an idea of where you're Could going. I mention something Please. based on what you just said? When you bring up the music comparison, I always feel that way when I'm writing a new game edition. I'm always feeling like there's 11 cards coming this time. I always feel like there's 11 songs here and this is an album. Now, how can I you know, make sure that, you know, this album comes together well and that each track is being done properly and that it contributes to the whole album. Always, always think like that when I'm re- releasing a new set. You got, yeah. you got some big liner notes and along with those, those <laughs> yeah. tracks too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our lyric sheet's kind of long. <laughs> oh, I look forward to reading it. You know, I, I, this will be the first time uh, that I uh, get to, to join the group of people that see that book, you know, Friday night uh, at Galacticon. And, and I can remember, you know, years past reading about it on the boards or, you know, even going back to like, I, I think the guest book was the first time, you know, back in, this would have been like 1999, maybe, um, you know, reading about Galacticon that year and, and, and reading about people like, you know, uh, uh, getting the set at Galacticon, uh, and, and just thinking, no, oh, I gotta, I gotta wait, you know, I gotta wait another week or two, uh, before it lands. So I'm very excited about that opportunity. To well, let, let me say that, you know, it was great when we, in the old days, we would release it on the day of Galacticon on Saturday. And people would come, get their book, sit, and they'd just be reading for an hour. It was silent. <laughs> the, the con was absolutely silent for the first hour and a half. Absolutely. So it, it's better that we release on – I think that might be why we started Fridays. I'm not yeah. positive. Well, I can remember, I don't remember where this yeah, was, was or when exactly this was, but I remember seeing a picture or a couple of pictures from a Galacticon, and this had to have been like nearly 20 years ago when I saw this, uh, and that's what it was. It was literally like pictures of people sitting around reading the new handbook. Makes sense. <laughs> and as the years went on, it continued to get longer and more complex. You really need right. God, and then, I, then we'd have the CPC and the GWF both released. Uh, <laughs> and then it was even, <laughs> no, that's a lot to take in. I'm glad it's on Friday nights now so that people can come to the con Saturday if they choose, you know, having at least read the handbook once. Right. Yeah. And, and then again, and anybody, you know, who's not there, we will have the ability to read the handbook before uh, Tom's Q&A. 
technology. Yeah, which we've good. been doing the last couple of years. I think that's been been nice for the people who can't be there, but you know, yeah. you won't have the cards in hand, but you know, at least you'd be able to read it. Yeah. That's yeah. twenty two thousand words. That's become about the average. Wow, really? Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, because I see it always at the end of the word document. And I, I, that helps me to know how far along I am, to be honest. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> it looks like that's reaching our upper limit, you know, because I'm trying to keep it so the Federation doesn't get too big. Uh, there'll be people leaving in 2138, uh, maybe a fair amount of people leaving. Oh, but, interesting. You know, I, I, I don't want people to get lost in the shuffle, especially the new people. I don't yeah. want Tempest lost in the shuffle. You know, I don't want fist. I don't want, I could try to sit here and think of some other people. But um, I, I, when I played 2137, I was taken by how much I enjoyed playing some of the new people. Exo King's another one, the Basilisk. That, you know, you've got to keep it at a manageable level or people like that saber, you know, yeah. will get lost in the shuffle. And these are new people. They shouldn't be lost in the shuffle. So you got to make tough decisions about the roster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of, you know, when you, when you come to the point where you're, you're actively writing, um, do you, do you know ahead of time who you, you might be weeding out or is it something that, you know, comes to you maybe as you're writing, you know, do you make that decision? For instance, like you just said, when you're playing 2137, do you make the decision to say like, okay, I'm probably going to get rid of this. You know, this, yes. This, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay. You know, the playing is what I, I, if I didn't play, I, I think it would be quite different. It would be quite different. Yeah. Uh, playing helps me to feel just the same way you guys feel about, you know, how do these characters feel to use and which feuds seem to work and which ones don't. And uh, that unconsciously feeds into what, when I approach writing, who I think should be feuding with or who should stay or go or who should be doing a turn. Uh, all those things come from playing. Nice. Do you do you have uh, any names that are kind of on your like you know unkillable list? You know what I mean? Like anybody who's absolutely bulletproof and and, and isn't going anywhere for the foreseeable future, other than like new folks. You know, talking about people that maybe have been around for you know ten years mm. or more. Are there some people that are you're just sort of like I'm never going to get rid of you know this person? Oh, you know, no. Of course, I would never say never, right? Well, but, of course, right, but, right. <laughs> not, but in the foreseeable future, uh, I like Shane being around. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, I'd have to sit here in my head and go through a bunch of things. <laughs> I think Shane's a perfect example, though, because I think it's somebody that the fans really love. Um, I mean, I know I do, and somebody who's you know been around uh, a while now, um, but but has a I think a pretty rock solid position, you know, on the he roster. He has a unique niche. He has a unique mm-hmm. niche as one of the only guys who could actually get away with flying independent alone and still have headliner type status. But the- so. But still have a little got, little nuance there with with Scorn joining him now too. Yeah, like added a little little new life to the character. Well, it's kind of like Batman and Robin. You know, I didn't want Shane to be totally alone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I think it helps him to have somebody with him. It humanizes him to have a female with him. Mm. So uh, right, but but Shane's one that just the, the first thing that came to my mind. I I won't even try to go through the whole roster sure. that way. But yes, there are some people that I see as being around for a while, but you know, that's a lot of the new ones though, you know, a lot of the new ones for sure. And then what you have to do is ask yourself, how do you ease out legends like the yeah. Aether and Overman? 
do you give him a worse card? Is that the way? I don't think the gladiators would do it that way. So we're seeing the Aethernover master perhaps towards the end of his time now without getting a, a worse card. Yeah. What do you do yeah. with a monolith? Do you give him a, a downturn card? Do people want that? Maybe right. not. You know, so now you got to figure out a way to bring him down or out and uh, and some other character that too. Yeah, I think that that is you know always interesting to think about because it's it's true in real life wrestling. You know, we watch some people for years and years and years, and the last thing we want to do is watch them be not as great as they were. You know, and and recently somebody like AJ Styles has has come right out and said like I'm I'm probably going to be done very soon because I don't want to give you anything less than my best. And I can't, and I already can't do everything that I used to do. You know, I, I, I've already reached the point where I know I'm not as good as I was even like three or four years ago, but I also know that I'm better than a lot of other people are. So I'll stick around. But the truth is you're probably seeing me in my last couple of years. Um, and I, you know, I have a great deal of respect for that because it's, it's hard. I mean, that's incredibly hard to do. Um, but then of course we see people, you know, like somebody like Hogan, for instance, who, you know, or Ric Flair even. I mean, the guy wants to have one more match. It's just like, oh, my gosh, like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they move it to a new arena. So many people wanted to see it, though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, it looks like it's Ric Flair. Ric Flair was able somehow miraculously to, to evolve to a point where he wasn't as good and people knew it. But he, he changed his character to be almost a caricature of himself, and it was amusing. Yeah. I mean, you know, that weird thing where he'd go into a turnbuckle, flip over, and then walk along the ring apron is comical, really. Oh, yeah. And then he would get clotheslined by the guy. I mean, it was like a like a, a weird routine, but he was able to get away with that, and his character was able to get older and still be entertaining on the interview. And... Uh, and you accepted the fact that he wasn't as good in the ring. It it, it worked, but that doesn't. It's not going to work for just anybody. That right. type of thing. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, even his, you know, even his run. Uh, I think uh, in, in like the you know mid two thousands that he had in, in WWF. Uh, I really enjoyed. You know, I thought that yeah. he was playing. You know, he 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 came off as a bit of an underdog, which was an interesting position to see right. him in. And you know, yeah, I, I, I you know, there are certain people that obviously they can they can do that. And and there have been characters in the game that have had you know trajectories where it makes sense that maybe they're not quite as great as they once were, but they're still you know, they still bring something to the table. And I guess that that's got to be the key, right? Is it's like, can they still bring something? Well, that's to the, the key. That's the key. And like, like I said, do people want a mid card Aethron Overmaster? Probably not. Yeah. It doesn't fit the gladiator mold to even operate that way. Right. So gladiators tend to not allow for that downturn. The other ones, like a monolith or Endgame or any of these people, you know, do you downgrade them or do you just. It depends on the person at that point. You know, what would they do? You know, and that's yeah. what you have to yeah, well, because it was always one of the interesting things to me to see somebody like Star Warrior, you know, or even or even Bloodline, you know, the trajectories that their careers had, and the idea that you know at one point they're they're amongst the the, the top guys, and then you know they have that slow, you know slow slide down, and they're you know focusing more on the tag team action, which was great, mm-hmm. and then you know and then eventually it's just kind of like okay, you know, it's it's time it's time to hang it up. Um, 
So, uh, you know, talking about uh, this part of the creative process, you know, I love talking about the writing, but I'd also love to talk a little bit about the art because uh, I know over the past couple of years, uh, you know, you've talked kind of at length during the, 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 you know, virtual Galacticons and the opportunities that we've had to speak on the podcast uh, about the, the working relationship with Daryl um, and, you know, and just what he obviously brings to the table and now obviously having a new color colorist uh, along for the ride as well. Um, so I'm curious about the, the process with 2138 specifically, um, the evolution of some of the art. And maybe we could even talk about some of the, you know, the art that's already been released um, just to get maybe a better idea. Oh, good idea. You good know. idea. Because I know that Todd's got that's a good, I'd, I'd love to start with uh, some of the early art that Todd has. Which one did you want to start with first? Let's just do Mr. Everything because that's the easiest one. Great. Okay. Now, let me quickly add while you're getting that going that I've gotten to a point with Daryl wonderfully where he has a sense of what I'm looking for now, you know? And so luckily it actually comes faster nowadays because of that. Now, the only thing I want to say about this, because it's really no different from what we released is I just didn't want it to be that close up. That's all, you know, where I said, I want to see his hands. I want to, I want to get a little body language. And uh, so we just simply backed off of this, but I liked the look of the character. Like it, it has the look I wanted, it, you know, just a little bit of that shyster is in there. Yeah. And that's important part of this person. You know what's interesting? And it's such an odd thing because, it, you know, it is, like you said, you're really just pushed in closer on him, you know, getting kind of the, the shoulders up. But there's something about this card that says he's a manager. Do you know, whereas pulling back and getting a little bit more of his body and his arms in there, it, it does put him more, I, I, he feels more like a performer to me, whereas the yeah, close up kind of headshot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it is, it's so fascinating just the way that that little change, because like you say, the pose is most of the same, the clothes, the face, every, there's not much difference, but, um, you know, seeing the, the closer shot. Yeah. It makes him feel like he's somebody that's going to accompany someone to the ring as opposed to someone who's going to get in the ring. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a that, that's the easiest one. It was just a matter of I didn't want that much of a close up of the character, but I loved what he was bringing in terms of the look of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could definitely still see that. In that. Yeah, yeah. There's a you know that arrogance, that cockiness, that whole personality. But 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 there but there being a con man maybe behind it, I think shows here. Uh, yeah, I would completely agree. So which one did you want to go with? Should we go with? Uh, Zool, oh, yeah, fine. Either one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, I knew I wanted an older uh, person from this race. This is uh, for uh, Vizier? Vizier. Vizier. You know, people always, you know, I, I laugh because Stanley used to say the same thing. Uh, people ask, you know, what's the official way to pronounce this? Stanley would always say, there's no official way. It's a fictional character and uh <laughs> what they want to know is how do you as the creator pronounce it he was like you know i might not even be pronouncing it right, right. but <laughs> i say vizier people can say crocken cracking whatever <laughs> yeah so uh but by i say vizier and uh or you know i haven't been saying it much lately because i haven't actually used it but this looked too old and frail to, 
I did not want him to look that old and frail. Yeah. I yeah. wanted, you know, that's all I need to build up Sentinel and Moog is to bring in a guy like this. It looks like you could just touch him with your finger and knock him over. So I wanted somebody that wasn't quite that old. And uh, that's what we wound up getting. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell like the, a big difference with the you know with the torso in particular and, and filling out the torso, but even the, you know even the facial expression, um, you, you know this this does kind of look a little bit more passive almost. Yeah. Whereas not as angry yeah. as the other yeah. one. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and that's just that that's not Daryl's fault. You know, when when you come in with an initial concept and you say I want somebody older, you're just he's going to draw somebody older. It, you know, it, that's where the give and take comes. Then 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 it's a, you're not that old. I didn't mean that. And then you start to revise. Uh, I really like where we ended up with that character because what this character does is bring Moog and Sentinel uh, to the main event. You know, it, it suddenly makes them not supporting characters, but main characters. And they have that right. Oh, and I, gosh, I shouldn't be saying so much. I guess, <laughs> I guess this character's already said that we run this planet. It's our planet. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that already, perhaps in the promotion. And if I haven't, then I'm saying it now. You know, I mean, they're saying <laughs> that their planet is their birthright. So yeah. don't we don't need everybody else taking it over anymore. We're done with that. Yeah, I, I you know I, I said Vizier uh, when we announced him on the podcast, but I, I think it's a cool character, and um, you know the fact that he can also wrestle, uh, I think is neat too. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what you know he brings to the table potentially in like a you know six man tag team situation or something like that. Um, but uh, I, I I like the 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 actual art um, better than this art. Although, like you were saying earlier, there's nothing wrong with this art. I just think that based off of what you're no. saying. And kind of what the teaser has said, the you know the official art I think makes a little bit more sense. Yes, right. <clears throat> All right. All right, Sulfikar. Yeah, I definitely had a lot on my mind here. I did not. Uh, I did not want his face to be so easily seen. I wanted him to look mysterious in the face. Yeah. So we took off the mask, took off all that. I wanted it to be as dark as it could be. Uh, I'm. You know, this is a mythical character, and uh, therefore mystery is better. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was, that was something that, uh, you know, we were really – uh, talking a bit about uh, uh, when we talked about the teaser and trying to kind of, you know, figure out maybe a little bit what was behind the character and, you know, certainly going to, um, you know, the mythology behind the names like, you know, Zulfikar and Ninkarak and, and, you know, and the sword and everything. It was really fascinating to me um, because for, for two reasons. One, I feel like it's not necessarily, um, you know, mythology that you've played with as uh, before um you, you know obviously we've seen uh you, you know greek mythology play a part we've seen um you know uh asian mythology play a part at times we've seen even kind of like you know 
Earth mythology with somebody like Spring Hill Jack and Nosfera, you know, play a bit of a mm. part before. Mm. Um, but this is definitely the first time I think that we've had kind of like a Middle Eastern mythology come into play. Um, yeah, you're with right. Characters uh, for the game, which is great. So uh, I'd love to just, you know, to hear a little bit more if, if, if you want to, obviously, if you can tell us a little bit more about the character, um, because I think that, you know, what you said about the art makes total sense. And yeah, I mean, in the in the the draft piece, we see, you know, the face that there is that mask there that it feels a little bit more um i it, it feels a little bit more comic booky and i hesitate to say that because i mean obviously that's one of the things that daryl does he does it so well it's the reason why we love him whereas the the uh, official art it it almost kind of goes away from that a little bit while it maintains that mystery and it feels like almost something that you'd see on the cover of maybe like a a fantasy novel or something like that as opposed to something you'd see in the pages of a comic book Good, good, because that's the, the character is supposed to be mysterious that way, and uh, they'll, they'll be more revealed. But then um, I think I mentioned on social media that I've been reading, and somebody asked me. I think one of the questions for today was going to be, "What have I been reading lately?" Yeah. But one of the things just happens to have been, and it, the timing was perfect for creating the new set. Uh, I've been reading Middle Eastern literature fiction mm-hmm. and and i became enamored of uh or influenced by some of the uh, sensibilities of it you know that's why it's good to be well-rounded as a writer you you want to take in as much influence as you can uh expand your horizons and uh that's why i i wanted this character to name his horse and name his sword also uh to raise the bar on that idea that uh this is a mythical creature, and he has a, a, a destiny he is uh, attempting to live through. And more will be revealed when the set comes out about just what this guy's all about. But he's from Earth. He's from the Middle East. And he purportedly has lived for centuries. So. Nice. I, I, well, and, you know, and obviously the fact that he's targeting Shane, uh, you know, we were talking just a few moments ago about how Shane is such a big player and an important piece uh, of the GWF. And, you know, to have somebody like we were saying with Bloody Mary earlier come straight in and go for somebody up at the top like that, I think is always interesting. And, um, you know, clearly, you know, thinking about like stats and the card and how they're going to play they're going to have to they're going to have to be pretty good in order to to match up with Shane so I really look forward to it I I think honestly out of the four thus far this one is probably my favorite Um, I I really really like it Uh, it's worth noting too and I want to ask you about this that the sword looks a little bit different uh, from the draft art to the the official art just just a bit Um, how how intentional was that was that something that you know that Daryl just kind of did on his own or did you direct him you know in that uh, area he probably did it on his own. Sometimes I don't remember every little thing. So yeah. I don't remember telling him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a very, very slight difference, you know, just having to do, you know, with the, with the end of the sword. But uh, I, I noticed it and, and I, I like, again, I like the official art a, a lot. Um, so you, you mentioned the, the fan questions. Uh, and again, I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to, to go over into the, the, the questions that we've received from promoters. Um, Todd, I know that you've got those queued up, so I'm just going to hand things over to you. All right. You can Sounds ask good. Tom the questions. Yeah, so uh, we uh, put the question out on our uh, Facebook um, 
a fan page. It's the Phil Singer Games Promoters on uh, Facebook, just to kind of give a little you know, plug. You never know when you might get to interact uh, somewhat with Tom by being part of that. So definitely jump in there. It's always a great for, uh cool like instant discussion with people and sharing different things but yeah we asked a couple things that we asked you for some questions and we'll start out with that first one from uh jeff melton uh tom what are you currently reading and watching oh well you know when we were just talking now i've got to mention i read about eight books at one time now that's because i i i don't like to just finish a book in three weeks and move on I like it to sink in. And so therefore I'd rather stretch out a book for six months or four months and be reading a bunch of them that way. So that, like I said, the idea is really sink in just so that, you know, since this just came up, um, I've just been reading, I finished reading this book about <laughs> called the mystery of spring Hill Jack. That has always fascinated me. And this excellent book, it's probably the definitive book, on the legend of Spring Heel Jack. Nice. Who became Nosfera in our game and has been used by other people for other purposes because it's just a great legend. Yeah. Um, now, what else? Uh, oh, let's see. I, um, I got my books out there. I read a lot in religion, philosophy, and spirituality. And so those are ongoing. And, uh, I just finished the Sheik's book, Blood and Fire, Excellent. which was a fantastic wrestling book, my favorite of all time. Uh, I'll have to read it again, you know, because uh, I loved it because, you know, the Sheik managed to make his life a mystery. And so you want to read that book because hardly anything was out there. Right. So loved you, it. You know, we had Brian Solomon, the author, on yeah, the I podcast heard. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. He did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Then I, I just finished Real Magic by Dean Radin. I'm interested also in the psychology of consciousness. And Dean Radin is a consciousness researcher. And so he did a real excellent book there called Real Magic. Uh, I'm reading The Quadrivium right now, which is a book about sacred geometry, which studies four things. That's why they call quad for four number, geometry, music, and astronomy, uh, and how those all relate to each other when you look at number as the common denominator. And, uh, well, those are the main books I'm reading. Like I, I, you know, I could go on. I, like I said, I read a lot of books. Oh, and I read a lot of comics, too, and especially Marvel with their multiverse. They've got a good Thor versus Hulk thing going now. They've got Silver Surfer Rebirth. Maestro, which is the Hulk when he was older. Mm -hmm. It's imaginary. Yeah. He's bad too. He's he's really bad. Oh yeah. But, but it's imaginary. So you got him battling the abomination when the abomination's like 60. And then uh Namor when he's like, well, Namor is you know a hundred by now, <laughs> but at least they said he ages slower. But so anyway, those are the I, I I'm always reading because I don't like to watch much television. Right. That's what I kind of figure. I know you're not as much of a TV guy, uh, have anything that you're watching there. I, I, I know it's all different. You're reading comics and books, which is. is and more, sports on TV. Sports. That's, that's true. It. When this, when we're done, I'll put on the guardians game today. If you know the score, don't tell me Could okay. I do that. I, you know, then I'll watch a ball game or an NBA game. I, I find 
regular TV, just awful. I just not entertaining to me. That's all. Mm. That's How are you taking to the Guardian's name so far? Is it? Uh, oh, I like it. You like it? You know, okay. I know that I'm not supposed to like it, but I do. A lot of people in Cleveland are like, why? Why would they change that? It's stupid. It's just politically correct. And while I agree with some of that, I just happen to like Guardians better. I think because it actually yeah. fits the city better because they have a bridge mm. with these mythical Guardians that are supposed to protect drivers when they're crossing over the, the a huge bridge in Cleveland. Yeah. So they that's that architecture's been there for a hundred years at least. And I just think it fits the city better when you actually look at it, because Cleveland and Indians don't really go together. You right, know, right, that's just right. one of those things that happened 100 years ago. Right, right. They had an Indian player. Then they named it. It was actually a, a tribute. They named the team after that Indian who was on the team. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. So that's that's why some people were trying to hold on to it, because they said this not only isn't making fun of Indians, it's actually a tribute. But times change and you got to yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, absolutely. I think in that situation, it had to, I mean, not, not that we want to go down this rabbit hole. I think it had more to do with the mascot than it even did the team yes. name. Yeah. But, but yeah. I think so. That's why I don't think, think Braves so. has gotten the same target as the Indians there. Well, yeah. are the Braves still the Braves? Braves are still yeah. the Braves. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. uh, the, the Washington football team is no longer the Washington football team. Right. They're now the commanders. Uh, well, that was rough because that was red skin. Yeah, that was, that was, that was even rough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm good with it. So anyway, that's what I do in my spare time is read mainly. All right, so we have a, a question here from Jim Steinhoff. What is your favorite song or artist to crank up while out driving? Uh, um, you know, I'm actually a mellow driver, so I like electronic music and uh, classical and jazz. Uh, that's the kind of background music I like. When I'm really in a mood to rock out, uh, it's I just bought an album of The Clash uh, live at Shea Stadium. That's awesome. awesome. Just yeah. awesome is right. Yeah. Uh, I saw that tour live back in the day, but wow. not at Shea Stadium. I saw it in Akron. That's so and, cool. Uh, so I love them. I love you know, when, I, when I'm going to rock out, I like hard rock, you know. So I, I like Alice Cooper because he also does a show. I love that, you know. Yeah. And then uh, Leonard Skinner, I like, too. That's beer drinking music, Leonard Skinner. <laughs> when you want to go out on the town and get into trouble, Leonard Skinner. Goes. <laughs> there, there you go. Cool. All right. So uh, Brad Bachman uh, asked, uh, how do you approach writing? Uh, do you plan out things years in advance or just go with where the writing takes you edition by edition? Also, do you ever introduce characters and realize that you don't like them very much after a few sets? Okay. Uh, I think I already answered yeah. that first question. Mm -hmm. So, you know, earlier in the podcast and then um, I, I, I'm my own worst critic. That's why I don't read past stuff. I, I just always think I could have done better. It's just, I, I, Stephen King says the same thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's really just a, the way a lot of creators are, you know, we, we're, we're our own worst enemies and our hardest critics. Yeah. So yes, there have been some characters I wish I had done differently. Sure. Yep. Any creator usually uh, second guesses a couple things here and there. 
Uh, Kevin Weibel, I think we kind of answered this one before. Uh, will the Aether Overmaster get a new card this year? I don't mm-hmm. think that's one you're ready to answer right now, but I think you did address a little bit with the Aether Overmaster's potential future. The Aether Overmaster will continue to have story, but he will not get a new card. Mm-hmm. There we go. Kind of we got an answer there. Uh, Milton Alexander asks, will we ever get an early classics or anything pre-2087 in color? It's possible. And, you know, I think we've been exploring so many things that any possible. So I would say, yeah, it's certainly nothing in particular planned, but uh, definitely a a good possibility. I know it's something that that has been talked about. So Um, let's see Uh, from uh, Mike Delve. uh, Can we see more of different worlds, maybe uh, more from where the cosmic forces or Holocaust uh, has been exploring more of those instead of just kind of going deeper into the gladiators and anime is there any maybe kind of i can rephrase this is there any other past races that have come up that you think might be kind of cool to re-go and explore yeah yeah you know they just have to be uh in my consciousness at the time of creating in other words um we continue to also create new worlds like we did with oris and the basilisk and tarval we have some new characters coming in from new worlds now. Uh, so we got a lot of worlds out there. And the gladiators and teams like that are foundational teams. You're always going to see that those teams evolve. To me, the Marvel has the X-Men. They're not going to just stop with the X-Men, right. you know. That's always going to evolve. And the gladiators are foundational team. Um, FDF is in their own way, even though they're, you could almost have anybody in the FDF, but that team will always be there. Like the Avengers, it could be anybody's in it. Um, Titans have their own theme too. That's not going to go away. Animem too. Uh, so you got your foundational races, but then, uh, yeah, we'll be, we've got so much to choose from. Oh, yeah. So yes, I would answer in the affirmative that certainly that could happen too. Is there any type of race that you you know, have experience in the past that you think, oh, that might be a cool one to go back and explore. Anything in particular kind of jump up as no. something that we haven't really they're explored again? No, but all I have to do is put some thought into it. You know, yeah. the whole Omicron thing is wide open sure. for all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. So it's just a matter of putting my thinking cap on about those races, yeah. actually. And, and I need to be reminded because I don't often go back and look at those old races. I'm always trying to think of moving ahead. Right. And the, the races that stick in my mind are usually the best known ones. You know, those are the ones I think of first. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I yeah, the Omicron, that's you, you definitely something that, that Sam uh, is interested in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I wanted to throw in a, you know, a little quick question of my own uh, about Omicron. Have you, uh, I mean, I'm sure that you have, and I don't know if you want to say anything uh, because who knows what might happen down the road and, you you know, you might have some surprises in store. But, you know, th- there are obviously some of these characters that we don't necessarily know exactly what has happened to them, you know, post GWF. Um, you know, have you given thought to, you know, to maybe like what they're up to now or, you know, the possibility for any of them to, to come back through or, or, you know, a son or a daughter or, you know, that sort of thing of any of those characters? Yeah, that's been a blind spot for me. I'm so busy focusing on who's active and 
the future that to look back and say whatever happened to is just a whole new door for me to open. And I'm not against doing it. Yeah. It's just my mind only has so much space. It's, it's <laughs> sort of the way I look. I guess that's the only way I could answer that is uh, if I'm worried about what Man Mountain is doing today. Was that his name? Yeah. Was there a yeah. Man Mountain? There was a Man Mountain. Yeah. yeah. Or I, you could name any number of dozens of other people. If I'm going to sit back and wonder what they're doing today, that knocks some space out of my mind <laughs> for what I'm thinking about ahead, you know, <laughs> sure. and or what I'm thinking about now. And it can be done. It's just that I, I sometimes need to be jump started on those. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get even more specific and, and, and just throw it out there. The, the person that I think I'm most interested in is genocide. I just, I, I, I always loved genocide. I loved Buck Steel. I, I, I even loved the, you know, the Steel Freak stuff. I, I, you know, I always really enjoyed that and I enjoyed, you know, playing with it. And I remember that when genocide you know, came out, it was like perfect timing for me because I was always a huge, incredible Hulk fan. And, you know, to see this character that, 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 you know, had like, uh, you know, the mild mannered side and then this, you know, this, this crazy beast side, it was just something that I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, and it's something that, you know, Todd and I have talked about and, and I've always been curious. And again, you know, don't have to say anything, but that's the one that I think I'm the most curious about. <laughs> well, I can see why, and I'm glad you bring that up, because he was the only character who could actually would transform yeah. in a man. And that was exciting at that time. And then, I'll be honest, I don't remember when he left or under what conditions he left. Do you remember when he left? Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but I know at that point, you know, he had kind of uh become so you know it was like buck steel inhabited uh the genocide you know body um and yeah. i i oh, so he wasn't transforming anymore he wasn't transforming anymore they, no. they split it but it got like the personality got shifted the, to the opposite guy yeah so like, like so steel freak like hung around a little longer but genocide yeah left at that point yeah yeah it looks like yeah, it's so a cool it character it looks like he left in 2118. So it was right before New Beginning. That long. Where he yeah. Did hang to then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad you brought him up. You never know that plants a seed. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the thing. I remember he left the GWF as a part of the budget cuts. So I always kind of wondered. I was like, okay, you know, he kind of unceremoniously had to leave because everything was getting reset up and, and, and rebuilt, which was fine. You know, I, the, the funny thing is, is I didn't even necessarily miss him. <laughs> when 2119 rolled around, you know, I was sort of like, okay, it's too bad. He's gone, but he had a 16 year run. It was, you know, that was great. Uh, but I've always still been kind of curious, like what happened? Cause I never saw him as being somebody that would necessarily, not that he's immortal, but I didn't think he would necessarily age like other characters might, you know, this wasn't Omega for instance or whatever. So I was always curious what became of genocide. Where did he go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he hasn't told me yet. I will, I will phone him and ask. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, yeah. All right, sorry to hijack things. Todd, yeah, Todd no worries. No, no, you're allowed to question in there. Uh, <laughs> so we have another one from Lee Longpre, really kind of asking more about uh, when you're creating everything, kind of the tools that you use. Uh, so he wanted to know, like, how do you keep your ideas together? Do you use like a specific app? He's saying, although I think it might be, you mentioned the index cards before. Um, do you use a specific program to write the we do those 
just one at a time. Yeah, sure. sure. What's the first one? We'll do the first one there. Uh, How do you keep your ideas together? Oh, okay. I think I already answered that. I write them down and put them in a folder. Okay, so putting them in a folder, and then when you're ready to write later on, you pull things out. Uh, so this is oh, yeah, kind of- I got folders full of ideas. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, when you're writing, uh, what do you, you mentioned Microsoft oh, Word. So you're- yeah, just a standard Word document, yep. Yep, and then when you're going in proofing, do you like to proof there? Do you like to print things out, reread it actually in, in printed form and do edits there? Yeah, I prefer that. Uh, sometimes it's so much to print out because it's dozens of pages. So I try to, you know, you, you first start by plugging. I try to uh, get all my ideas really strong in my head first. Mm-hmm. Then I put an outline of the handbook. You know, here's this event. Here's this event. And what looks to me like chronological order, but I don't know how that's going to change. I know the descriptions are last. So. Then I'll say, all right, I'm ready to write this one. And I'll write that one. And then I'm ready to write now this section. And now I got to maybe have to move them around, cut and paste, Mm because they're not chronological. Or holy cow, I just thought of this, and it throws off all of it. Now, it's, it's a constant cut and paste process. When I feel like it's getting to be final, I like to print it so that I can go through it with a fine tooth home the editing process but before that it's just a hodgepodge of things moving around on a word document gotcha gotcha no makes makes complete sense there uh we do have an interesting political question that we're not going to get to from eric seifert uh but uh, i'll leave that one uh, for his imagination uh but i will ask there is one question from uh kevin butcher that i will ask because he'll be upset if i don't ask and he really wants to be at Galacticon, is wondering why are you not going to be in Chicago this year? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because the last couple of years we've had this. First of all, I'm not a big traveler. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, a guy that travels a lot. It's just not, I'm not built that way. And a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. But, and so there's been very little travel the last few years. And now that people are doing traveling this summer, I'm way behind on family. You know, it's just really what it comes down to. So I've got some events that we've got a reunion on Leslie's side of the family this summer. I've got some other things with my own children and family. And it's it just, it was just something I felt like I had to do first, yeah. you know. And uh, I dedicated the weekend of Galacticon to being there virtually. And that's what I'm going to do. So uh, yeah, we will see you Friday night at the release party. Uh, I will. You'll be on my laptop uh, to interact with anybody. I'm glad you added the there. second part of that word. Otherwise, things would have gotten really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll miss having you there. But you know, we're always big family first guys. So like that. That is. That's what it is. That's what it is. You know. Um. The, you know, it's been two years since. But tell me the ask me the political question. I might not answer. Yeah. Well, I think Eric was asking if there was going to be a Dr. Fauci-esque villain <laughs> written into the GWF. <laughs> well, don't we already have like Doomsayer and uh, like we have the <laughs> that's funny, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, but yeah, those are our questions we got from everybody. So thank you everybody who uh, submitted a question. I think we got to yeah, thanks much a lot. I there. appreciate it. I enjoyed it greatly. 
nothing I like more than talking about champions of the galaxy with people like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's always a pleasure. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, you were talking about earlier about going back and telling eight year old Tom about, you know, crime stoppers versus crime busters. Uh, and I think if I could go back and, you know, tell 13 year old Sam and say like, Hey, guess what? One day you're going to have podcasts and you're going to get to interview Tom and you get to like work on the game. I would have been like, no, that's silly. That that's not going to happen. Uh, so it's always cool to, to be able to do. And, and I, well, that's great because at about that same time I was sitting there thinking, God, Wonder if I'd ever be able to work with Sam Fain. <laughs> so my dream came true, also. Oh man! Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, no, I mean it really has been. I it, it's funny. Um, we talked a bit about. Uh, on the last episode, we talked about the FTR set that that Todd and I uh, got to work on. Well, the, the three cards for for Prime that Todd and I got to work on in the in the booklet and everything. And uh, I, I don't think it actually really sunk in um, until a couple of days ago. And and it was funny because I'd been working on it, and uh, you know the PDF had been mailed out, and then Todd sent me a text message with a picture of the actual physical three cards. And I had the opportunity uh, about a year ago to work on a card that got released uh, in Prime for the Indies game line, uh, which was which was a thrill. And I, I was very proud to, to be able to do that, not only because I got to work on the card, but because of who the card was of. But it was funny. I, I told my wife, I, I was like, you know, it might sound a little silly, but I don't think this was real to me until I saw the actual physical cards. And, and, and it was something that I was really proud of. And, and, and I just, I don't think, uh, I, I would have ever you know, seen myself doing necessarily, you know, I always enjoyed playing the game and I would write these very long, extensive write-ups of my cards. And I, you know, and I, I'd done a couple of bootlegs and that sort of thing, but I, I never imagined that I would like be you know writing a booklet that that would have Phil Singer games on it or whatever, and so it's just very cool to me to have that opportunity, and uh, and I'm I'm very appreciative of it, and it's been kind of a cool sort of thing to to see people start to get it and talk about it, and uh, and and say like, oh hey, you know, I did that, and like, Todd and I did that. That's well, cool. That's one of the, th- I'm, and I'm so glad you had that opportunity. One of the things that remains outstanding about our business, and it's growing every year. That's the beauty of it too. It. 30 some years later, we're having our best years ever, but still remain small is beautiful. In other words, the, the gap between, if I'm the CEO and the creator, both, <laughs> the gap between me and the fans is practically non-existent. Yeah. You know, in other words, the middle ground is people like you, Todd, Mike, fans first, and yet we're running the business. And then they are as close to the fan base as you can get also. So it's not a very vertical thing. It's practically a, a, a horizontal line with, you know, and I'm proud of that and I want to keep it that way. Yeah, well, it's clear that you've always been accessible, and you know, one of my favorite things that uh, Uncharted Territory, the the podcast that the Legends team does, is you know when they uh, go back and talk about, um, you know, just kind of the 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 genesis of of sort of uh, you know Galacticon or the newsletters or you know any of that sort of stuff, and and seeing how involved you know you were on a lot of that sort of th- stuff, and 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 you know always kind of being there, uh, obviously for Galacticon, you know, it literally. In 
inviting people into your home. Um, you, you know, I, I just, I thought that I've always thought that that is really cool. And to get to the, hear those stories now, um, you know, by way of their podcast is always a lot of fun as well. So it, 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 it's definitely true. You know, like you say, there's not really any gap between that, you know, you're not untouchable and, you know, certainly, certainly Todd and I aren't untouchable. So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I think that, 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 kind of line of communication exists. Um, and it's one of the things that's very special about this particular fandom and, and this particular company. And I know that there are a lot of promoters out there that are, you know, that are kind of, that's one of the reasons why they stick around is that it feels, you know, like a, a real community. Um, I think that word gets bandied about a lot when it comes to certain fandoms, but with this particular one, I think it's absolutely true. It's right on the money. I do too. And that's a lot of that goes to Todd and Mike who work exceptionally well with Absolutely. And then in your your contribution to that as well. No, it's um, it, it's it continues to be exactly what I would have ever hoped it would be, and uh, fantastic. I'm so happy, and I'm hoping the people listening to this will enjoy Origins twenty one thirty eight and all our tremendous Legends releases. And they have to <laughs> salute the Sarge and. <laughs> We're, we're, we're just as strong as ever. And I'm so proud of that. Yeah, I, it definitely always, you know, it feels like sky's the limit, which is a really cool thing to say, especially, you know, 35 years on um, <laughs> from, from, well, you from know, we're going to reach a big milestone later this year or at the latest early next year when we release a mobile app that will right. take champions of the galaxy to a new platform and a new level. And uh, you just never know. The stars are the limit for how much it could eventually grow. Um, I keep thinking that in 100 years, there'll be a cult following for this when we're all dead. And they're going to be going, wow, this is really cool. And there'll be movies and TV and I'll be making no money on it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe you public domain. And all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I, I even told Todd, you know, don't don't let me forget to talk about that. Uh, I'll keep it very brief. Will we hear more information about that at Galacticon? Yeah, we will get an update at that point. Let me say this. Uh, we will update at Galacticon where we are at that point. I can tell everybody for sure, and Todd knows it's true. We've been working on this thing regularly throughout. There's been no break. It's just simply a matter of a lot of work to program everything. Sure. But we a lot, have a lot of not, content that's got to get in there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the big thing. So there's been no break in our activities. It's just a matter of you know, we don't want to release anything before it's good and done. Absolutely. And we're making sure of that. But we are working hard and we will give you our updates in three weeks. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of other people are looking forward to it. Um, Tom, thank you so much. This has been great. I really, really appreciate having you on. And I can't wait to read 2138. Uh, you know, Todd has has done his duty and kept me completely in the dark. So I only know what's been put out there in teaser land. Uh, but I can't wait to read it. It's always, honestly, it's one of my favorite times of year is when I get to read that handbook. Well, to use the, the music analogy, I can't wait for you to read it either. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing when you're an artist and you create something, you can't wait for people to actually see it. Right. And uh, so I, I can't wait for that to happen either. So I, and I hope you get, will enjoy playing it as much as I will enjoy playing it. 
Yeah. Well, that's another thing you mentioned it earlier. I, I've always loved, you know, reading your fed and just kind of seeing like what you were doing and, you know, the, the, the matches that are going on. So, uh, I, I know that, uh, I I'm, I'm a little bit behind right now, uh, but I've definitely toyed with the idea of just saying, Oh, the heck with it. And, you know, jumping in at, at 2138 and, 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 you know, seeing what happens. Um, but uh, Todd, I think we we could just get out of here and go home. I don't think there's anything else that we need to add. Uh, is there anything that you want to say from Fed HQ before we get out of here? Well, I will say that uh, all the spring releases uh, have been mailed out. You know, since I think our last podcast, uh, I think a couple of things did get out released, such as the FTR book, which I think people, which people have uh, been reading and enjoying, and and all the online versions of the sets are uh, people are starting to use, which is great. Uh, so, you know, if you're an online player, go ahead and get everything right now. If you're a, a tabletop player, uh, everything is is in stock now and available. Uh, so, and, and if you're still waiting on your game, it should hopefully be there very soon. So, uh, very excited to see. You know, I know personally, I'm excited to see what people are going to do with the new FTR characters and everything going on there. I think, you know, obviously, uh, you and I are extremely biased there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you get also you know, some cool, cool stuff with all the, like the new enhancement guys and the Legends yeah. game. And, and then, you know, they're awesome uh, best of the Indies lineup too. And, and of course, 2092, uh, getting that in color. Uh, looking forward to getting 2093 out there in the future and kind of finishing up that war games uh, uh, era but you know big one this year with chaos and the keepers of the stone and everyone like that yeah. so I, I really love that. the keepers of the stone the new art oh, I, they I, I think great. It's great yeah and I, and the, the Ursa major art that uh, that got changed uh, from from the teaser to the to the yeah. uh, set I think looks fantastic as well you know what the keepers of the stone I believe and I, I hate to just keep rambling here, but yeah, go we, ahead. <laughs> the, the original hype flyer for that had different art than it was actually used. Right. In the game. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they, talk, they talked about that. Didn't they talk about that recently? Uh, Uncharted uh, territory. Uncharted territory. Did they talk I, I, about? I believe so. Yeah. It was a couple episodes ago, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I you know I will just add that uh, I'm so grateful. It seems that people are, are really enjoying um, FTR and the new cards, and in particular Riot Girl, um, you know, which is a character that you know is pretty pretty close to my heart because I think it's the one that you know we knew using Plethador was going to be a lot of fun, and that was pretty much your idea. You know, that was something that that you yeah. kind of was like, hey, let's do this, uh, and I thought it was hilarious, and I thought it was going to work out perfectly. And then you know, Rosemaris was definitely kind of you know a, a real true collaboration. And, and then Riot Girl felt a little bit more kind of like, you know, my project in a way. Uh, um, as we mentioned on the last episode, you ended up doing all the stats and, and they were so great. For a guy who says he doesn't do stats, they were so great that I, didn't, that, I didn't, <laughs> that I didn't change hardly anything. Um, yeah, I, I, I was bragging about you, actually. I was talking with Chad Olson last week and I was telling Chad, I was just sort of like, yeah, I was, his stats were incredible. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I've really been grateful to the response. And so thank you, everyone that's enjoying FT. And I'm looking forward to, you know, the next quarter because uh, we've, we've got more in store and um, much like Tom was talking about earlier. We, out, yeah, so. exactly. We, you know, <laughs> we, we have we have an end game, if you will, in mind for the final quarter of this year. And uh, we're, we're going to get you there. But um, yeah, it, it, Tom, we were talking about this before. And maybe you can answer if there's anything else you can think of. Like the way that we're kind of kind of co-writing things and kind of really collaborating and kind of playing to our strengths a little bit and, and writing and like kind of co-writing everything. Has there been another game edition put out that really has had a, a dual 
writer thing like this or is it usually because i know most of the time with like you know cpc was just uh mark and you know ace was just chris um has there there hasn't been anything else like this not that i can think of if you can't think of it either. <laughs> i couldn't think of anything yeah so yeah that's interesting that's very very good i like it because yeah. I I don't I I could the hardest thing for me was figuring out the dialogue and I'm like well hopefully Sam can do that since he's an actor and is used to like <laughs> knowing how dialogue should go so I think we kind of played off each other's strengths a little bit that's that's the tricky part dialogue more than anything else really defines a character that yeah. you can talk about the character but if you can hear the character talking yeah. that is pretty big and that's hard to do you know when I'm sometimes writing and I'm not claiming I do it well. I'll say to myself, what, I should be able to know that that's Tharkis just by hearing what he says, you know? And now with Tharkis, that happens to be true. He's one of the very well-developed characters. But every character, you should feel that way. And uh, by the way, I'm not saying mine do, but that that's, that says a lot. If your character's dialogue makes you automatically say, oh, my God, that's Wolf without knowing it in advance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is incredibly important. Um, and, and it, it is difficult to do. Um, so tell us if we got it right, promoters, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> do that, fans. but, uh, uh, but no, I, I, yeah, I, so I, I'm grateful for the, for the response this far and looking forward to what we're going to do next. And, you know, as Todd said, of course, all of the current sets are available, uh, for uh, purchase, uh, and then the pre-orders, uh, will be up before you know it for, for TNT <laughs> and origins 2138. Um, I, uh, speaking of legends real quick, the, uh, Mulkies are just as bad as Chad promised me they would be. Uh, I looked at those cards immediately and I was just like, wow, these guys are awful and I love it. Uh, so I, I can't wait to throw them into some matches. Uh, maybe nice. I'll serve them up to the road warriors just to, oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> just to be yeah, a, yeah. a masochist. Um, but, uh, no, it, it, so, so many great things are happening and continue to happen. And, uh, I, I'm so pleased to, to be able to be uh, along for the ride. And I want to echo what Tom said about all the hard work that Mike and Todd put in and of course Todd oh, getting yeah. everything you know all the envelopes stuffed and, and yeah. stamped and out the door uh, so that promoters can get their cards super fast um, it's it's you know something that uh, certainly I'm grateful for um, so keep your eyes peeled uh, I believe pre-order will be will start tomorrow correct Oh, no, no, we're uh, July 1st. We're July 1st. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was starting with Slaughter. That's why I, that's why I said that. So. No, no, we got, we got someone else on July 1st. Oh, my that, goodness. Uh, Who could it be? Oh, my, how exciting. And <laughs> let me just add a little more excitement here at the end. It, it might have been said already, but in 2138, there will be a bonus item. Yes. So there oh, yes. 11 cards and a bonus item. Just for the fun of it. Just for the fun of it. Do you have any information about how the bonus will that just be included with the set? Is that going to be an additional thing that it will just be included? It will be included. It's not a separate item. Because, you know, last time we actually had a very well-developed separate item. Four things, really. Three things in it. So that made sense to have that be a separate item. But this is uh, just one thing, so it will be included. Okay, cool. Cool. So, and you're going to want to wish you could use sure. it. 
Oh man. Well, I, you know, I, the fact that we're getting 11 cards is cool. Uh, I, I, I dig that. So, um, the bonus item is obviously the, the cherry on top. Um, but all that said, you know, uh, get your orders in for your Galacticon tickets. If you have not yet done that, of course you can attend virtually, um, and you'll still get to the, the exclusives. Um, we'll have more information about that, of course, in the very near future, I'm sure. Uh, and Todd, before we get out of here, what do we have coming up next? next week oh boy so next week we have uh, we have some fun so uh we are uh, right before july 4th uh weekend and in honor of that we are going to have a tournament because you know how else are you gonna celebrate <laughs> a, a holiday without a tournament uh but it's gonna be a special one we're gonna be talking about american heroes in the phil singer games universe and joining us will be uh, uh, four veterans representing each of the armed forces that will join us on our tournament episode. Oh, my goodness. So, wow. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, some really great guys are going to be joining us there. And uh, stay tuned for that. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to doing that. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, the names are, are, are ready made. And, and especially you could just you could just do, you know, uh, American Legends just out of the TNT sets. Uh, oh, yeah, very possible. Yeah. Would, Why is yeah. That? Sarge is going to be in there. Right. Sarge is going to be in the Legends tour. He's got to be in there right now. Right. So. Uh, yeah, as well, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, one thing that we didn't get to talk about, I know we had mentioned, you know, possibly talking about it, uh, but at the, at the risk of, 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 you know, going way over time and, and potentially boring people, uh, is that Forbidden Door uh, is, of course, this uh, Sunday, or excuse me, this Saturday, Sunday, Saturday? Oh, no. Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. It's the 26th, right? Um, so it's this Sunday. Um, if you are an AEW fan or a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, uh, I think you'll really enjoy this. If you're not, um, it might be worth checking out because there's going to be some really cool matchups. Uh, and I, I have to say that one of the most gratifying things for me, uh, to be completely honest, out of all the wonderful things that have happened in the history of AEW, one of the most gratifying things that happened uh, in their history happened this past Wednesday. And uh, when Hangman Adam Page was getting a beat down courtesy of Jay White and Adam Cole, um, all of a sudden you heard that coin drop and the crowd went bananas as Kazuchika Okada uh, came out and made his AEW debut. Um, Okada is, is yeah, I mean, Jim we Ross said We weren't sure who's going to come and he came. So yeah. That was cool. And Jim Ross said it, Okada's one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he's incredible. And so just to be able to see him walk down and walk out there, uh, get in the ring, and, and then, of course, turn the main event of the evening into a four-way uh, between Okada, Jay White, uh, Adam Cole, and Hangman Adam Page for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, I thought was really cool. So um, a lot of other great stuff. Obviously, Moxley Tanahashi uh, for the Interim AEW Championship. Um, FTR are in a really interesting match where they could also uh, become uh, the uh, IWGP uh, heavyweight tag team champions if they walk out of there their ring of honor titles are also on the line in that match um and just numerous numerous other uh, great bouts and sting is wrestling too sting is wrestling that. too the only thing that would make that better is if is if the great muda came out uh, <laughs> uh there we go that would he, be awesome yeah. you know muda did announce that uh, i i believe he announced his uh his retirement he's gonna have uh, i believe he said five more matches uh, and then he's retiring um so uh which i mean is understandable you know he's been going for a very long time uh, Lord knows how his knees uh, are even in existence uh, anymore. But um, uh, yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think that they've put together a card that, uh, oddly enough, um, 
it might not meet all expectations and yet might exceed some people's expectations. So we'll see. Uh, Brian Danielson, unfortunately, can't be there due to injury. So uh, he announced that there will be a mystery opponent for Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and they will not only be a new addition to uh, uh, the um Blackpool Combat Club, but they will also be uh, a new addition to the AEW roster. Um, So that's going to be pretty interesting. We'll see. You know, you reminded me of one other thing. Let me apologize to our listeners. I I thank you for staying. I I hope that all of this has been interesting to you. (laughs) But I posted this on the message board today. Uh, The Cauliflower Alley Club's convention annual con is September 26th through 28th. Phil Singer Games would like to have a presence at that. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. So uh, if you are able to do it, even part-time or full-time would be even better, please let us know because that's a great audience for us to hit. You know, we've got so many great things to show to people who love wrestling and old-time wrestling who still maybe haven't been exposed to our games. And it'd be right there. So let us know, contact Todd or me, uh, if you think you can help at the Phil Singer Games table on 26 through 28, which is a Monday through Wednesday. That's the hard part. So, but some people have flexibility in their schedules. So if you do, please let us know. It gives you inside access to all the CAC and all the wrestlers. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm glad you did. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've never been to one of those events, but I, I've heard people talk about them and, you know, follow them uh, on Facebook and uh, know a couple of people that have, uh, you, you know, um, been been members of the CAC at times. And um, well, I mean, once you remember, you remember, but uh, it's our relationships yeah. to these communities, the Tragos Hall of Fame, this that is allowing us to get these signings. Yeah. Right. Not only not only from a business point of view to get a fan base growing, it's I'm proud of our relationship to the wrestling community, and I'm hoping that they look at our game as a tribute to the history of wrestling, which it is, and that we keep all these wonderful names alive that many young people have never been exposed to. So that's our goal, and that's why we want to be at Cauliflower Alley if we can be there this September. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things, honestly, that we do uh, is the the auction um, to generate you know money for the Tregos and Thez Hall of Fame. I think it's just a fantastic way uh, to celebrate you know our, our our fandom and the community and and pay tribute again, like you were saying, to the wrestlers that um, you, you know are, even those that aren't in the game, just you know to pay tribute to the business in general and the people that have to help to build that, which is something that we celebrate every time we roll a pair of dice. Um, speaking of which, uh, it is it is definitely. Time Time for us to get out of here. I want to thank Tom Filsinger once again for joining us. Um, it's always a pleasure, uh, and I, I, yeah, I, I mean, we're we're here, we're here because you know, almost forty years ago, you said I'm going to do this thing, and and here we are. <laughs> it is all so, up on the wall. I know, I know. I was, I was looking at the spike artwork, and then the the GWF Files two uh, cover up there. It's uh, pretty awesome. Um, but thank you, Tom. Sincerely. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Todd, let's get out of here. What do you say? 
Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned for next week's episode of Roll Up. We'll have a special American Heroes tournament uh, with four uh, of our American heroes uh, representing different branches of the military. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there and roll those dice responsibly.